0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. Uh, do you see what the title of the message is? And this is me talking about me, but because I'm a pastor, I can influence you with what influenced me. But I was praying this week about what Jesus wanted to say, I got to thinking about church you got to think about our theme verse, and I thought, I want everybody to come to church. I want everybody that's a part of our church to come as much as possible, because I like to see people win. I like to see people not lose and be depressed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I wrote down some things. Jesus gave me the title before he gave me the message. I wrote down some things about why I love coming to church. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. And, uh, we've turned a new corner in the history of the church. We're not going to be dead anymore. We're going to get excited. Jeremiah chapter three, verse 15. Amen. We're going to, we're going to come alive and we're going to act like we love the Bible. (laughs) Amen. Let me ask you guys this. Anybody that knows the Bible in John chapter one, who does it say the Bible's about? Jesus. Who does it say created everything? Jesus. Who does John chapter 1 say the living word is? Jesus. And so there's no way you can truly be excited about Jesus without being excited about his word because his word are one and the same. So to the degree you get excited about God's word, you're saying, I'm excited, Jesus, that you're going to show up and talk to me today. And so when we say we're going to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, we say we're going to let Jesus talk to us through the prophet Jeremiah. So I want to say that one more time, just to make sure you wake up and you're hooked up. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. All right. Praise God. I'll tell you what, if you're rooting for football teams and basketball teams and all that stuff, then it's not a sin to root for Jesus. You know, none of those teams, none of those teams, Ever, ever got you uh, born again or got you healed if you need healing. But Jesus is the healer. He's the deliverer. If you were ever on drugs or alcohol or anything serious, Jesus is the one that got you off of it. So you ought to get excited for him because he, he is the ultimate field goal, field goaler. He's the three pointer or the six pointer or the grand slam home runner or the field goaler or whatever, whatever it is you need. Jesus is the great I am. He's the all in all. And I think it's time. As Sunday morning Christians. Start to get excited about that. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse, verse 15. Talking about why I love coming to church. And Jesus said. Pastors will go to seminaries. and seminaries will give you pastors. What did he say? He said I. Jesus. Will give you pastors. According to my heart. That means Jesus will put special things inside of a pastor's spirit. He'll put his heart of love, compassion, patience, anointing, grace, giftings inside of a pastor's heart. He said, those pastors that I give you will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I'll tell you what, it's not hard to get knowledge of the Bible. If you read it, you get the knowledge. But there's a difference between getting something in your head and understanding it in your heart. You know, uh, Philip, how did I do yesterday to explain to your family and these people here how to be born again? You know, I gave them some knowledge, but I gave them some really good examples from your dad's life about what it is when a man gets born again. And I was a pastor talking to this crowd here yesterday and they wasn't all Christians here. And so yesterday, a pastor with the heart of Jesus explained to a bunch of people that don't know Jesus how to find Jesus and let him become their Savior. And that's what God does with the pastor. You know, we don't just tell you, God wants you healed. We'll help you understand the Word of God how to get healed. We don't just tell you that God wants your marriage blessed. We will show you from the Word of God and give you understanding how to get the blessing in your marriage. We just don't tell you that God wants to meet your needs. God wants you to have the job adequate for your family. We'll give you understanding for the Word of God, how that can come to pass in your life. Amen. And that's what pastors do. But I want you to see this here, that uh, I've come from my perspective for me. And so before I was a pastor, I had a pastor that I sat under four times a week, every week, for years and years and years. Every week. For years and years and years and years. I would say that again, because that's why we have our theme verse this year every week. For years and years and years and years. I didn't come for a while and my pastor see me and know my name. And get used to me and think, well, I can count on Bernie. He's going to be here. And then all of a sudden, Bernie didn't show up for three or four months. And then come back in. You don't know how embarrassing that is to me. I'm not going down this road very long, but this is why we're preaching what we're preaching this year. You don't know how much I hate it when you quit coming and you come back. I try to remember your name. Or I run into you in Walmart. And you quit coming the last three or four months. That's been your pattern for a long time. But in your own thinking, you think, I'm a member of that church there. And I go there. And you don't realize that you're somebody that visits every once in a while. And then, you know me, because I'm the pastor. But I look at you, I've tried to remember where I know them from. And my wife standing there and say, who are they? Where do we know them from? And then they, they say something about the church. I think, wait a minute. I think they've been to the church before. But they think they're part of the church. But they're casual attenders. They visit sometimes. And that's everybody's business, but if I'm a pastor going to feed you knowledge of God's word and understanding, can I talk honestly from God's word about how to help you? Amen. And so anyway, my pastor taught Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and every Saturday morning he taught the word of God with no frills. He had no food, he had no coffee. He'd had the word of God. and I knew I was a new Christian. I had, I was a single dad. I had two, I had two little girls. I'd been divorced. I got born again after my divorce, found out about Jesus. And I knew that I wanted to be the best dad I could be. And I knew that if I ever got married again, I wanted to be a good husband. So when my pastor told me about the classes he had every Saturday morning for men, I said, every Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, I was the first one there. Class started at 8. I was single. And so usually, usually by about 7 to 7.30, I was there outside the church waiting for him to get there. Because I was so hungry to know God better. And I knew he was the man of God that God put in my life to teach me. And so I wanted to be there four times a week, every week. Because he was my pastor. I knew God gave him to me to show me how to live. Show me how to be a good person, how to be a good Christian in life. That's why I love coming to church. Amen. I love coming to church to hear the pastor God gave me teach me the Bible. I want to say that again. I love to come to church to hear the pastor God gave me to teach me the Bible, and I still have a pastor. His name's Mark T. Barclay. A lot of you know my pastor, Mark T. Barclay, but I still sit under him and submit to his teachings and his oversight. I love to hear his life stories. I love to watch how he acts and reacts in different situations. You know, as as, as a man of God, and I, I, I just, you know, I can see this. We have got so many sports people who flip flipped at the sports arena. As a man of God, I have always watched my pastor and other spiritual leaders at church services. What do they do if somebody gets out of order? How do they handle it? I want to know, because they're my example. What do they do if a crisis hits the church and they got to act quickly to handle it? What do they do? How do they act when the money's tight? How do they act? Like, did you guys see that uh, little blizzard thing out there had the snow? That was my way of life for 54 years. I lived in that. (laughs) And it's nice to see how they handle when there's a snow emergency. How do they handle the congregation to keep on having church? What do they do? And so for me, as a man of God, I want somebody I can watch that will show me how to win when it looks like it's not possible. You know, pastors, I heard a man say this one time, people that look at us from a distance, look at us as god They don't realize we got families, we got problems, we got things we deal with, because all most people see us is right up here. They never see us in real life. And so I stuck as close to my pastor as I could to see him in real life. Because I lived in the real world. I wasn't in church all the time because you can't be in church 24-7. I had to go out there and deal with sinners. I had to, as a truck driver, I had to live around religious people that were religious, didn't really know God much, but they were religious. I had to deal around uh, sickness and disease situations in the family and things, with lack of money sometimes. And so I like to be able to watch somebody. What does he do if the crunch is on? how's he do it? And so that's why I love to go to church. I love to hear Dr. Barclay's stories. I love to hear Dr. Barclay tell about his family and things that's happening. Why is that? Because Jesus said, I will give you pastors with my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Amen. And so Dr. Barclay has a lot of books and things that we can buy, but uh, Jose put that screen up of these things. And so I, I don't have books, but my wife, over the last at least 25 to 30 years, she said under basically every time I ever preach, she's here. She's written down a lot of things she calls pastor's nuggets. And so I'm just saying... That as your pastor, I want to show you some things that are available in the bookstore to help you. They're things that she's put together from the things she's heard. That's, you know, when a man of God's preaching under the anointing, we say things not from our heads, but from our spirit. And when things come out of our spirit, I hear myself say things sometimes and all I think is, wow, that was good. Not because of me, but because of the gift to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit breaks things out, that my pastor, Pastor Barclay, Dr. Barclay, I write him down. It's his nuggets. And I don't want to hear him. I write them in my Bible. I write them in my notes. And I think, wow, that really helped me. That really helped me. And I think about something Dr. Barclay has said a lot. One of his nuggets, you know, because we support him financially, he says, it's people like you that help people like me keep going. And to me, that's a nugget. But Dr. Barclay says, thank you for not quitting. That's a nugget. I think about the things he said. Lots of things he says sticks with me. And so anyway, I just want to read you a couple things. You see a big table of things right there, all those different ones you've got. This here, I'm just going to read just some of these out of here. They're just one-liners. This is a nuggets of gold on faith. Your faith level will never be any greater than your word level. Hey, man, that's something I said when preaching that came from the Holy Spirit. Faith always has a good report. What that means is this. If all you talk about is the negative and the bad, don't know what you're going to do, how you're going to make it, you're not in faith yet. If all you're ever doing is hoping it'll get better, you're not in faith. Hope precedes faith. And you got to have hope to lead into faith. But you need to know that. A nugget here. This is good And Roller coaster faith is unstable in all its ways. Double minded is up one day, down the next, tossed to and fro. These are things from the word of God, but I was teaching the word of God to help you. The word of God says to walk by faith and not by sight. Most Christians walk by sight, not by faith. Anyway, those kind of things there from a pastor that God gave to this church. said, I'm not lifting me up at all. It's the Holy Spirit influencing me to tell you things to help you. You need to have things like that. And you know, I'll just say this. She's got a, what, five dollars on those? Go back there after church and look at those and and buy one or two if you want to. If you don't have the money, take one. And then at some point in time, when you got the money, take the money to the bookstore. says for a book I got a while back. Just do that. But I want you to be blessed to get things. Now I like this one. This says nuggets of gold on the Holy Ghost. Listen to this. If you're going to be under the influence be under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Anybody ever hear that phrase op- they, they rest up for under the influence? Hey Amen. Well, that, under the influence of the wrong things why don't you be under the influence of the right things of the Holy Ghost? People can fool you but the Holy Spirit will never deceive you. People can fool you. And you know, that's why we as Christians need to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit Because when you're talking to somebody that's a good con person, it might be a street person out there wanting money. It might be a fellow Christian wanting to take advantage of you. you got to know in your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, this is not right, this is not good. But then sometimes, somebody that your head thinks, these are con and these are not good, the Holy Spirit said, no, they're not a con, this is for real, they need your help. See, we can't operate this world successfully for Jesus if we don't know the Holy Spirit. Let me see what the next one is. Oh, this is a good one. Either give <clears throat> either give place to the devil and grieve the Holy Ghost or give place to the Holy Ghost and grieve the devil. In your life, there's no such thing as neutral. You're either pleasing God or you're pleasing Satan. Anyway, She's got, you see all those books right there, tons and tons of them on all kinds of subjects. And those are nuggets of gold from the pastor that God gave you. So anyway, uh, buy some of them. Start looking at some of those things. And sometimes when you're, when you're having a bad day and you just trying to read the Bible, it's not working. Just open them and start reading some of those. And some of those things there be like, uh, the New Living Translation. That <laughs> just put something into you. Cause every one of those things in there came from times under the influence of the Holy Ghost I was ministering. Amen. Give Mrs. Pastor a hand. She's awesome. Put all those things together. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> now now, uh, let's look let's look at our theme verse for two thousand and nineteen. And this is in the of course the new living translation or the no the old but the, the living Bible. And this this from Hebrews ten twenty five in the Living Bible. And we've already read this. But our next point's gonna be coming off of this. And this is what's influencing us for this year. Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming, coming back again is drawing near. Let us not neglect our church attendance, but warn and encourage. And so, Jesus put it in mind in Pastor David's heart to major on getting people to really hook up and be faithful this year. And the reason being, So they can have more victory in their lives and their families. More victory in their lives and in their families. And I think about Dr. Barclay. He's my pastor. He influences me. And Dr. Barclay says something. and You know, you don't even have to be a Christian, I don't think, to, 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 to understand what I'm getting ready to say. When you come to church, you get more victory... Or less victory. When you come to church. Do you feel better or feel worse when you leave? Does your faith increase or decrease when you come to church? (laughs) You know, on and on and on and on. And so why, 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 why would somebody, especially going through a hard time of life. Financial issues, health issues, family problems, or persecution on the job. Why? Why? Would that be the time they'd back off? Think about what I'm saying. I've seen people, when they get under attack, the first thing they cut out of their schedules, church. They don't cut ball games out. They don't cut eating out out. They don't cut whatever else it is that's their entertainment out, but they cut God out. That's why, well, you see the verse. It says you can warn and encourage each other when you come together. And so I want to get it in the hearts of the people that I get to influence as a pastor. Man, when you're under attack, don't want to run from God, run back to him. Run to his house. There's victory in numbers. There's victory in the anointing. There's victory when you come together to worship together, to fellowship, to hang out together. There's victory in this atmosphere. And so, that's some of the reasons I come to church. But for this right here, from what he said there, as I look at where I get to this. Oh yeah, yeah, Mrs. Pastor did a great job on the last three weeks talking about the house of God, didn't she? Amen, Talk about the house of God and we're going to You know, give you a chance to still look at some things and sign up to help in the church. But anyway, I'm just hitting from a little different direction what I'm doing. She's talking about the house of God, but I'm talking about you why you need to be in the house of God. And so I love coming to church to be encouraged and warned by fellow believers to stay hooked up. Just like her theme verse says, I come to be warned and encouraged. And I can tell you, I get encouraged by your good reports. I get encouraged to send victory in your family. I get encouraged when I hear about you getting that job you've been trying to get for six months. I get encouraged when you tell me, you went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, no disease. When the doctor said, I'm going to take you off the medicine. When the doctor said, your baby's okay, you can take your baby home. Amen. That's why I said, when we come together. To warn and encourage each other, and so I get encouraged and warned by fellow believers to stay hooked up, and I can encourage and warn fellow believers to stay hooked up. And you know, when I was a, when I was a sheep and not a shepherd, I loved to be able to hang out with the other Christ, Christians, the other church people, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I tell Robert the other day, uh, people were staying pretty late the other night, and Robert gets up early. He's wanting to go. I said, Robert, when I was when I was a young Christian at our church, I remember night standing in the parking lot at midnight because they locked the doors, and I'd be hanging out with one or two or three other people, just be talking about God, talking about Jesus. We start looking at our watches, knowing we had to get up and go to work. If I remember, it'd be midnight. I think, oh man, it's midnight. We better go home because I loved hanging out with Christians. I got to hang out with sinners all day every day. Man, I got to hear all the dirty jokes and all the politics. And how bad the company was and how stinking the company was and how rotten it was. They wasn't fair. They wasn't right. Why'd they do it? Why'd they do it? Why'd they do it? I got, I got, I just got so tired of hearing all that daggony stuff. But I got a chance to come to church and be around somebody that wasn't mad at the company. And then you stop and get some sense in your head after you're a Christian you realize no company, no paycheck, no paycheck, no take care of family. So then you quit bad-mouthing the company when you're a Christian, if you're a smart Christian. If you're a dumb Christian, you stand around and knock the company instead of praying for him, knock the boss instead of praying for him, knock the selfish owner instead of praying for him. But when you become a Christian, hang around Christians, you realize God called us not to be a part of the problem, but to be an answer to the problem. And the first answer to pray, Amen. And so anyway, I can remember those times when when our Robert would shut the lights off and kick us out the door. <laughs> Robert doesn't do that. He's nice. He smiles. <laughs> and he, de- he, he delegates to Jesse and other guys. <laughs> but no, I'm saying, I love to come to church to hang out with Christians. I love to come to church so that when the church lights over with even, I don't have to go home if I don't want to. I can stick around and I can hear some good testimonies. And I can tell my testimonies because we don't always get to get up in front of the church I tell everybody everything, but it sure is nice hanging around with somebody to talk to. Amen? And so that's some of the reasons I love to go to church. Now, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and verse 12. This is really a good... Well, the whole book of Hebrews is good. The whole Bible is good. It's just good. (laughs) But Hebrews chapter 6 has been one of my victory chapters for years. And remember... Uh, God said he'll give you pastors that will feed you of knowledge and understanding. I just dropped you a clue right there. Hebrews chapter 6 has been one of my victory chapters for years. That has helped me so many times. I can't read the whole chapter for time, but I just want to read you a couple verses and talk about them in line with why I love coming to church. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, he said, And we desire that every one of you, every one of you, do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In other words, he's saying, stay hooked up. Don't back off. Keep on believing. Keep on faith and keep on hoping until the end. Well, that means until you get the answer. If you're facing a thing in your life right now about your family, about money, about a job, somebody needs delivered. You're being persecuted on the job having trouble with your neighbors, whatever it is you believe in God for, he's saying, man, stay hooked up in faith. Keep coming to church and hear the word of God. Keep worshiping God. Keep praising God until you get the answer. Because the answer will come. And then verse 12, and that you be not slothful, or the center column says sluggish, that you be not lazy, but followers... Or that means imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so, you know, it's okay to go to a ball game and be excited. But I'll tell you what, if you need healing in your body or healing for your family, those guys making those three-pointers aren't going to get you healed. Hey, man, those guys that can steal those bases and hit those grand slams, they're not going to get you a raise. I want to say it again. You can go to ball games, have fun, but while you are, don't get spiritually lazy, he said. Don't get spiritually lazy. Because the answers you need in life are only come from coming to church. Hear the word of God. And they said, be imitators. Be imitators. In my prayer closet, because I've been a preacher for so many years now and not a truck driver, not out there in the secular world, in my prayer closet, when I'm facing problems in my personal life, having struggles, when I'm when I'm having problems in the church, I don't know how to deal with them. Because this verse is one of my key verses for my life and leadership, the imitators, I will stop and think, what would Dr. Barclay do? Because I'm going to imitate him. Because he through faith and patience has inherited a lot of promises. I'll stop to think about Kenneth Hagin, my main mentor in Christianity. I'll stop and think about Kenneth Hagin, his stories, his teachings, and I'll stop to think. And I'll say, Lord, what would Brother Hagin do? Because this is totally scriptural. He said, We, as believers, are to be imitators of those who get results. You know what? I don't find very many of them out there in the center world amongst non-believers that know how to get victories in faith. I might be able to imitate, like like my son Joe. um You know, he's a Marine now down at uh, Pendleton. But I know Joe's always been a, a jock, an athlete type guy. I remember our church softball team. How many remember Joe on the church softball team? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know. Some of you, well, Robert, be remember a long ways back, Joe was an okay batter at base still or stuff like that. But you know what Joe did? He started watching videos of the superstars. He started listening to things about how to hold your arm just right, how to watch the ball when it left the pitcher's hand. And then for the outfield, he studied and studied and studied those videos about how to position yourself and how to start knowing who the batter was, who the pitcher was, and where these guys were likely to hit it. And so Joe, after he did that for several months on the softball team, these guys thought they had a brand new guy. Joe would be in the softball, in the field, outfield out there, and Joe would be in position when somebody's batting. All of a sudden, as soon as the pitch was there, Joe was on the run, because he knew that's going to go right over here. And he caught it. He began to watch what they did in the videos, and he imitated them. Well, Philip knows something about that stuff. Say, when Philip got up there, you might as well just sit down because it was over the fence. You couldn't jump that high. But on the negative side, when he missed, (laughs) I thought about missing the ball at all, spit around and hit the ground. (laughs) That guy, that guy was a slugger's king. But no. What I'm saying is this. He said, be imitators of them who with faith and patience inherit the promises. Where are you going to find the majority of believers that through faith and patience inherit the prophecy? Where are they at? Church. How are you going to imitate somebody to get the victory over cancer? If you're never around somebody who got the victory over cancer. You know, uh we don't embarrass Dave and Irma, but they give their testimony publicly. How are you gonna find out how to get your marriage restored if you're not around the Dave and Irma's? Amen. Amen. You know? And we have so many other testimonies like that in the church. David, Irma, married for lots of years. Two beautiful daughters. With through some crisis times, they got divorced from each other. How long were you guys divorced? That's what I thought. About three years, I thought. About two and a half years, they were divorced. They were no longer husband and wife. Now, remarried. Powerful team for Jesus. Everybody sees it for example. Amen. No, what am I saying? If you're going through marriage crisis and you're getting counsel from Sister Bucketmouth out there on your job, ladies, or sir, if you're talking to Mr. Goofball Loser on your job, that been married, divorced, and one they're living with right now they're not married to, don't know how long it's going to last, how are you ever going to imitate something come out right? Where do you find successful marriages at the most? In church, and the husbands and wives in church aren't perfect, but they ought to follow Jesus and get the answers. I think about yesterday. Me and my wife are so unconscious of how we are. We left the church memorial service yesterday, going over to the victory hall. Just walked out the sidewalk holding hands. I heard somebody behind us talking and giggling. Oh, look at that! Ain't that so sweet? I thought, what are they talking about? That's I saw they're talking about us. Amen. You know, we're a couple of the oldest people in the church now, I guess. I remember an old guy started coming here a couple of years ago and asked me uh, where the senior group was. And I said, where are you talking to them, Maria? (laughs) (laughs) But no, what am I telling you? Why I love to church, come to church, I like to see people that I can look to them and thought, wow, I want to be just like them. I want to win. Amen. He said, so be imitators. So I love coming to church because I can see and hear real people testify of their faith in Jesus and how the word of God healed, delivered, gave them jobs, brought their dysfunctional family together. What's that again? Brought their dysfunctional family together. Brought their dysfunctional family together. You get in church, And you know, I was kind of joking yesterday at the at the funeral, but I was serious too, because Frank talked to me a lot, and had all the family sitting down here. Some of them followed Jesus, and some of them not followed Jesus. And I told them, I said, I said, right there shows you how faith works. I said, Frank wanted me to pray for the family to all be in church together. Here you are. I said, it's too bad it took this. But you know, that was that was kind of jokingly, but I know. A lot of Frank's family that have hooked up with Jesus, they used to be very dysfunctional. And they're not anymore because they hooked up with God. They hooked up with church. And, you know, several of your families out here, I look at, too, because I know a lot of your history. That the people that come to a good church consistently and regularly, not the ones that they'll, 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 they'll hit a row where they're here three or four weeks in a row, then all of a sudden you don't see them running to a Walmart. You think, Who are these people? You know, I don't know them. Well, sad thing about that, Jesus said the same thing. He said there's going to be some people that don't live for him, and they're going to stand in front of him. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. That's terrible, isn't it? Anyway, I come to church because I like to hear the testimonies of the David Irma's. They're back together walking with God. I like to hear the testimonies of the pastor samples that one year ago had, uh, what was it, 70% blood cancer. Stage 4 blood cancer. Had a heart attack. 99% of his heart blocked in August. And now he's standing up here like a wild man preached in front of a congregation. <laughs> Amen. I, I like to hear that. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like to hear, well, what they diagnose you with? Like, oh, you poor thing. Uh, can I come to your funeral? There's not going to be any funeral. Hey, man, I'm healed. I'm not healed because I was lucky. I'm healed because I belong to Jesus. 'Cause I stood on his word, I made adjustments in my life that he wanted me to make in my life, and I follow after him. And the heart doctor, after ninety nine percent blocking, she thought I was nuts because I wouldn't get upset with what he's telling me after everything was over with. But uh last time I saw him when he goes through all of his tests, but back around, the last two times he goes normal, 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 normal. Look at all the different things to do for for uh, heart heart checkups like that. And then he told me I could swim now. And I said, well, boy, that's really nice. A good swim before. Thank you. I can't wait to try it out. <laughs> and, 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 and the blood cancer doctor. And what, I, what am I saying about all that? You don't hear those testimonies in the world. You have to come to church to hear that. And if you get diagnosed with a serious cancer, and I'm not the only one in the church that's been healed, you get diagnosed with a serious disease, man, there's no better faith atmosphere to come into they come into a place where people receive healing from God, and they give the glory to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, inside of you, hope comes before faith. All of a sudden, you get a hope. Well, the doctor said it's this, but Jesus healed my pastor, and He healed that family, and He healed this one. If He healed them, maybe He'll heal me. And then you set out of the word, and the maybe turns into faith, and He will heal me. And you learn how. That's why I love coming to church. I don't like to see people die before their time. I don't like to see two people that I know loved each other at one time get a divorce. And then the family have to put up with the stupid stuff between them. I love to see families restored. That's why I come to church. I love to see people delivered from drugs and alcohol and sexual perversion and all those evil things. I love to see people that have had messed up minds emotionally and everything else get stable and normal where all of a sudden people instead of avoiding them want to have them over to their house for dinner because they're such nice people. That's why I love coming to church. You know, I just, God's purpose in this message is to talk to you backsliders that backslide all the time. And the ones that take off, they get the victory, they take off and they're out of here. He wants you to get stable. He wants you to hook up. He wants, he wants to be able to count on you to be used by him when he speaks to your heart and says, Hey, I want you to go encourage this person for me. I want you to go pray for these people. I want you to sit down with this family and give them your testimony how your marriage was restored. I want you to tell them how your daughter was delivered. I want you to tell them how your son got delivered. I want you to tell them after that horrible year, being laid off, how God restored everything to you and the job you have now. You understand what I've said and everything I'm showing you right now, if you knowledge and understanding. I've told you nothing. We're not seeing in the Bible. Amen. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so I want to say this, since I'm coming to that, you from first person for me in my life. It's always nice to hear a preacher, but sometimes the spiritual boost that we all need is Joe Christian telling his story. You know, one of my favorite meetings we have, and I think most of the men will, not all, will agree. This is the men's meetings. At the men's meetings, so many times one of the men or two of the men will tell a current story of what God's done in their life recently, or what God's doing. And when I hear these stories these men tell, man, I'll tell you what, the inside of me, I'm jumping up and down doing jumping jacks and somersaults because I'm thinking, wow, 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 that's awesome. Man, that's good. Woo, that's really good. Boy, I'm sure glad I heard that story. Hey, man, what is that? That's warning and encouraging one another. at so much more as the time of his return draws near. That's what's going on. Somebody give the Lord a hand. Amen. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm getting excited just, I wrote this, but I'm getting excited hearing it again. And you know, I can't, I just praise the Lord. I just say in the name of Jesus that I pray for the whole, whole Christians around the world everywhere, but at least for this part right here, as part of my Christian family, I believe in the name of Jesus, even for the ones that aren't here, you're going to spread what I preach today. You're going to let them know how much they need to be in church and get back hooked up and quit losing, man, and get out of depression and come on back. Acts chapter 4. This is really good. I'll say it again. The whole Bible's really good. I just love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited about my Christian life. You know, I'm just kind of new at this. I've only been born again 39 years. But uh, 39 years compared to somebody that didn't uh, do this for 100 years. It's that long. But, you know, it's longer than some people. But I've started reading the last few weeks through the book of Genesis in slow motion time. i have going through the book of Genesis a verse at a time. And I'm seeing things. Got my yellow out. I got my red out. I got my lines out. Doing my cross references. And I took a Bible class back in 1983 called In the Beginning. And that's how the book of Genesis starts off. In the beginning, God. And boy, things that lady taught me that many years ago, all of a sudden, a lot of stuff that she taught me back then is starting to come back to me now as I read the book of Genesis. Except this time, I'm a lot older in the Lord than I was then. This time, after my experiences and things I know now, I'm starting to see things I didn't see. I understand things I didn't understand. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm a pastor that you're supposed to follow as I follow Christ. And so I'm saying this. I'm hungry for the word of God. I'm excited about the Bible. And when I read it, I say, Jesus, help me to read this as if I'd never seen it before. So you show me things I need to see. I want to see things. I want to know things. And number one reason is I want to be a stronger, better Christian. Number two, I want to be a better teacher and a better person to help you. What God says, so catch that excitement. Catch that joy for the word of God and get out of whatever your religious routines been. Get out of it. Get freshened. Amen. And so in Acts chapter four, Peter and John had been part of a miracle. A man got healed. Had been paralyzed his whole life. He was thirty-eight years old. Started walking. And the religious people of the day did not like that because they wanted to stay in their Judaism and Christianity. Was a new thing on the scene to change people's lives forever. And so these people then were giving Peter and John a hard time and actually had them arrested and beaten and everything else because they didn't like what they was doing. So that's called persecution. So verse 23 then, I want you to notice this. Acts 4 verse 23 and listen real closely. And so being let go of the religious guards of the soldiers that were beating them, they went to their own company and they report all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. They went to their own company. Let me tell you what that means so you'll understand and listen. Their own company was their own church. Their own group of fellow believers. And we know at this point in time from in the scriptures, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out, 120 believers were there. So we would already know there's at least 120 Christians. Right? 120 in the upper room. 120. Peter preached. 3,000 people got saved. So that means already then, in this little city of Jerusalem, they had at least 3,120 believers. Then a few days later, he preached again. It says 5,000 got saved. So there were at least least 8,120 people that were Christians. And then after that, it says, the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So there was a lot of Christians together and they didn't have someplace big enough to have at least 8,120 believers. So these people already were starting to find out who their group was, who they were with. And then Peter tells us we're supposed to be with people of like precious faith. I love the Baptist. The Baptist for a whole don't believe in tongues. So it's kind of hard to fellowship in a small group, same with Baptist people. We love each other. They love us. We love them. I have Baptist preacher friends right here in Barstow, and we joke. You know, uh, I'll say, well, I know John was a Baptist. I actually tell the Baptist preacher this. (laughs) Every time I say John was a Baptist, I said Paul wrote two-thirds of it, and Paul was a Pentecostal. we do a little joke, so we can get along with people. But the Baptists believe God like we believe God. It's just different things. We believe different about different things. And so our own company, we're Word of Faith. We believe stronger about healing, for example, than a lot of other groups do. We believe, we believe stronger about faith and confession, the words out of our mouth, than a lot of people do. And so this is my company right here. We're the faith people. Amen. I love the Baptist. I love Pentecostal holiness people. Got the long hair and the no makeups. I love them. They're my, they're my brothers and sisters. There's lots of groups I love. But you notice right here. When these guys got in trouble, they didn't go to the whole 8,120 or more. They came to their own company. You've got to have your own company. You've got to know who your pastor is. You've got to know who your church family is. You've got to know. And that doesn't mean we're divided for the rest. We love the rest. We do things together. Amen. We love together. We testify together. We do a lot of things together. But God's plan is for Christians to know who is my spiritual family. Who do I belong with? Amen. Amen. So many stories I could tell about that, but I won't cause the sake of time. So anyway, uh, he said, went to their own company and they told all that the chief priest and elders said to them. And then when the company of believers, their fellow church members heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And so, what happened back then, they were being persecuted for hate speech. What the hate speech was, and you go back and read this chapter here, they were preaching Jesus Christ. And they called that hate speech. That's what they do today. When people try to tell people of the secular world that Jesus is the answer to all their problems, then today we get accused of hate speech. When we say marriage between a man and a woman, that's Bible, that's hate speech. Amen. And so, it says they went to their own company. And they went, now listen, this is so important what I'm going to say, why well, I love coming to church. They went to their own company, and because it was fellow believers that believed the same Bible they did, they didn't judge them and criticize them and tell them, Well, you brought it on yourself. That's what you get for talking about Jesus out there in public. You know they don't believe that. We're supposed to preach the gospel to every creature in all the world. When people have problems, we're not supposed to put our candle under the bushel. We're supposed to let it be out. Amen. You go to the wrong, the wrong company and you tell them we got persecuted because we were sharing our faith in public. If it's not the fellow believers, That you're hooked up with God put you with. They may start judging you. Criticizing you. Tell you you brought it on yourself. And you don't belong in our church anymore. But says these guys here. Says they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Said Peter and John. Have been persecuted. For preaching the Jesus. That we preach in our church. And so we're going to pray now. That's why you need to come to church where you belong. Because people will pray with you. And so then notice then. In verse 29 to 31, as they're praying, they said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant to thy servants that we may keep our mouths shut. That with all boldness, they said, Man, we're going to turn it up. We're not backing off. We're turning it up. That we may speak thy word with all boldness, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Amen. They were getting persecuted because the man got healed in the name of Jesus. They were telling all the religious people, Jesus did this. And they said, no, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. We don't believe in Jesus. And so they went back to their company. and They said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Brother, we're hooked up with you. We're going to pray. And so they prayed together in the name of Jesus. So I love going to church because when I'm in trouble, how many here... Have ever been in trouble, whether you wanted it or not. Man, what a perfect church we have. I'm so glad I pastored this church. We've only had four people that's ever been in trouble in their whole life. I'm going home. I'm about to go to another church and find some losers that need help. I want to ask that again. How many here have ever been in trouble and needed prayer? Praise God. Glory to God. I said, you guys are going to wake up. When I'm in trouble, my church family loves me. They listen to my prayer request, and they take prayer for me very seriously. They take prayer for me very seriously. You know, I'm the pastor, but you don't know how much last year, when my life looked like it was over with. All you different ones that told me, Pastor, we're praying for you every day. I'd get texts, phone calls sometimes, sometimes because... I wasn't in good shape to hear you. You tell my family. You say, hey, tell pastor we're praying for him. Tell pastor we're standing with him. I was in my own company. I was in trouble last year. And I'm so grateful for all that you prayed for me. Anyway, your you're church family, they won't judge you or nitpick you. you know, they won't look at all your faults and your weaknesses. They'll pray for you. And notice verse 31 then. They prayed. and says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, spake the word of God with boldness. And so God showed up again like the day of Pentecost. And, you know, I think about this. If that happens in our church, will we think it's an earthquake? Or will we give God the credit and say, that's God. That wasn't no earthquake, that was God shaking our place. You know, I think about the people that think you ought to be real quiet all the time and worshiping God. What happens when you begin to worship God and pray and all of a sudden you have that rumble go on because the spirit of god's coming in and things are starting to happen amen that's the power of god showing up did you ever read in acts chapter 16 when paul and silas were praying in prison and god sent an earthquake and opened up? Philip's not going to happen where you're at i don't think you're probably safe but uh he, he's he's a assistant warden at a prison but any anyway uh <laughs> thinking about that but he's really a good guy he's a born again spirit-filled assistant warden so he's not a mean guy he's a happy guy he's a good guy and if you ever had him by that prison it'd be good if they got to come and sit in Philip's office for a while because he'd get him filled amen but 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 Paul and Silas prayed to say praises to God it says God sent an earthquake and the doors were opened and the people's chains came off and they were freed I would say there must have been people that were unjustly in prison or God would have set them free but anyway, that was that story. So it says the power of God came down, and so I love going to church because when we pray together, God's power shows up. I want to say that again. I don't want the little man to be pamby prayers. When somebody prays for me, I want God to show up. That's why I go to church. I love the power of God to show up. And the last thing I want to look at, Second Chronicles chapter five, verse thirteen and fourteen. Second Chronicles, Old Testament, chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. You know, I I really pray that you're seeing what I'm seeing, and for God to really stir you. And this don't just go, Boy, Pastor, Pastor, I had it today, man. Pastor, Pastor was doing it today. I don't want this to be a message. I want this to be a move. I want this to be something that you guys, basically everybody here is faithful here all the time anyway, but to help you backslide backsliding tries to knock on your door, answer with, no, I go to church, I'm faithful. But just let this get in you, and then you run into your fellow church members in Walmart and places like that you haven't seen for six months. Say, hey, man, where you been? Our theme verse is to warn and encourage. And so I just want to encourage you, get back in church Come back where the victory is. You look depressed. You look down. You are just got to tell me all those sad stories about your family. Well, you got help when you came to church. You got better when you come to church. My family's doing great. We're doing awesome because we're staying in church. So I want to encourage you. I'm talking about you now. Talk to your fellow church members out there. I want to encourage you. Unless God has sent you to another church, and this isn't your church anymore, if you've got another church and a pastor, then I rejoice with you. But if you don't have, get back in, get back in, get back in. Amen. That's what this is about. And so anyway, this is the last 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 reason I wrote down because how I love coming to church. And this is at the dedication of Solomon's Temple. Remember, Mrs. Pastor talked about God's house? This is God's house then. And so talking about God's house, just built the new place, and they're getting all ready to move into their new building, God's house. And it says, "...it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one..." That's not about the praise team. That's not about the musicians, the singers. They, "...they were as one to make one sound, to be heard..." That's called unity. "...to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And they lift up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praise the Lord, saying, "...for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever..." That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. That's called the Shekinah glory of God. That's the presence of God coming in so strong that people knew God was there. And so that the priests then could not stand to minister. They couldn't stand up by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. And so the praise team coming together, like our praise team, holy sanctified, prayed up, ready to lead us, the congregation, praise and worship to God, will bring the presence of God in. And so I love coming to church because when we come together to worship God with musical instruments and sing praises from our heart together, His presence and glory fills the sanctuary. And in that atmosphere, listen, if you're starting to clock out, clock back in for a couple seconds. Give me about another minute. Don't clock out. I can can tell when you're clocking out. Well, it's not time to clock out. It's time to stay on the clock for just a minute. It's not time to think, well, the sermon's over. No, this is never going to end. This is life. In that atmosphere, those of you and your friends and your family that haven't got the answer yet from the Word of God, something just hadn't, hadn't clicked yet. In that atmosphere of praise and worship, where the glory of God comes in, all of a sudden, addicts that have tried forever to get delivered in an instant they're delivered. Somebody that has fought a disease for years and years, when that atmosphere comes in, all of a sudden, they jump up healed. They come back the next week and say, the doctor found no cancer. The doctor found no disease those effects they have the stroke are gone they can walk again they can move again they can function again that messed up dope mind from years of addictions and abuse all of a sudden like if you know the Bible the madman of Kadera they had to chain him up because he was so mean and wild from an abused life all of a sudden those former addicts come in when the glory of God came in and that kind of a church service the addict got delivered just like that and then the people try to figure out what happened, what happened, what happened. That's because the glory of God came in. When the glory of God come in, people get answers. They couldn't get any other way. People get victory. They couldn't get any other way. That's why I love coming to church. I love coming to church to get the presence of God. And I can tell you as the leader of this church, the presence of God's going nothing but increase in here. We're coming to another level in our worship in this church. We're coming to another level. The word's been good, the love's good, the singing's good, but it's time for our church to come up now. We're going to come up another level, and what we're going to do in the near future, we're going to set aside a Friday night to go over to our smaller building for a different atmosphere, and we're going to have a worship service. That's not a fun and game service. As a matter of fact, I'm going to request that people leave their phones in their cars if they can't control them. Because we're going to come in the presence not to ask God for anything, but to come in like these people did in the Bible. Just to praise and worship God with one voice. of Just the family of God coming together on a Friday night. And said, we're only here for one purpose. Father, we love you. We give ourselves to you. We want to worship you. We want to thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. But... Have the praise team with the instruments and the singing of one heart, one accord, and us singing together. And then just let God show up and do what He wants to do. And then, because of us, people that want to, being over there, kind of getting an idea of the feel of it, how this goes, bringing that back into Sunday mornings said. Because we'll learn better how to flow together as one voice, as the Bible said, one voice, as we become one voice and bring that into our Sunday morning services, you're going to start see that glory coming in more and more and more and more. And then all of a sudden, there are going to be people that we all know. that here's somebody saying, what happened to so-and-so? He's not the same anymore. What happened to him? He's been going to church for years. He's always had the same problem. But I've noticed him. He doesn't have that problem anymore. That's going to be because of these services. When God shows up like that, Answers are here for anybody that'll be here. Amen. Amen. So anyway, I love coming to church. If I wasn't the pastor for the reasons I showed you, I love coming to church. I like getting closer to God. I like seeing people win. I like to get answers when I need answers. If I need delivered, I like getting delivered. If I need healed, I like getting healed. I love being in the presence of God. So as we're getting ready to baptize, we'll let these guys lead us into worship until baptism time. But I just ask you, as lovers of Jesus, just close your eyes and open your hearts for a few minutes and just worship Jesus. And let's let, let let's see his presence come in even stronger as we close out this today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.